Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10 is an important passage when it comes to understanding the salvation Jesus came to offer. In this series, we'll break down what the Apostle Paul has to tell the Ephesians about a salvation by grace through faith. Welcome to Light in My Path, the audio teaching ministry of F. Wayne McLeod, serving with Action International Ministries. Here in this podcast, we examine a variety of Bible topics designed to help you in your understanding of Scripture and in your walk with God. Let's move now to this week's podcast. Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10 is a very important statement about the salvation that Jesus came to offer. Now, much has been written about this passage, and I don't have anything new to say about it. But what is important, however, is that we continue to refresh our minds on what Christ has done for us on the cross. And that, of course, is my purpose for this series to remember the work of Jesus Christ, to remind myself of the grace that made this salvation possible, and to recall the pit from which I was drawn. This in and of itself is an important exercise in the Christian life. Now, as the Apostle begins the second chapter of Ephesians, He takes a moment to introduce his topic about the salvation of Jesus Christ by reminding the Ephesians about the pit from which they were rescued. Listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so the apostle starts by reminding the Ephesians that they were dead in their trespasses and sins. Verses 1 to 2, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Note that the Apostle speaks here in the past tense. The sins of the Ephesians were not going to lead them to death. They were already dead. And the very fact that they were in their trespasses and sins sealed and proved that point, because sin separates us from God. Sin does not lead us to death. Sin is death. And where this sin reigns, there can be no life. And just as light cannot exist in darkness, neither can true life, the true life of Jesus Christ, exist in sin. And so Paul tells the Ephesians that being in sin and trespasses, they were destitute of the life of Christ and of all hope of eternal life. And they walked in this earth as those who knew nothing of the life of Jesus Christ in them. Now, as those who were without Christ, how did the Ephesians live? Well, Paul tells them they served 
two masters. First, they followed the course of this world. Following the course of this world, he said. They lived as fleshly beings without any connection to the heavenly. They did the best they knew how. They lived in their own strength and wisdom. They did what everyone else did. They lived for this world, its pleasures, its privileges, its resources. And this world was all they had. But this world had had much to be desired in the end with all the sickness and disappointments and death. But without the life of Christ, however, the best they could hope for was this world. The worst, of course, was eternal separation from God. Not only did the Ephesians follow this world and the course of this world, but second, Those who were without Christ and the life of Christ followed also the prince of the power of the air. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Now, the prince of the power of the air is Satan himself. And those who are under sin and have never experienced the life of Christ are bound to Satan and belong to him. And Paul describes Satan as the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience. That is, those who do not have the life of Christ. And those who do not belong to Christ are under the domain of darkness and belong to the prince of the power of the air. Notice next what Paul tells the Ephesians in verse 3. That without the life of Christ in them, they lived in the passions of the flesh and in the desires of the body and mind among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Well, how else could they live? They were not being motivated by the Spirit of God because he was not in them. They did not have the ears to hear the prompting and leading of the Spirit. They did not have eyes to see the Lord and His work. They did not have the mind of Christ to understand His purpose. And so, as those who were living according to this world and under the domain of darkness, they lived in the passions of their flesh, the desires of their body, and their mind. Now, finally, Paul tells the Ephesians that as those who did not have the life of Christ, who were dead in their trespasses and sin, they were children of wrath and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's to say, they were under the judgment of God. Only those who belong to Christ can know his forgiveness in life. Scripture tells us that heaven is only for God's children. Only his children can inherit eternal life and forgiveness. This means that everyone outside of the children of God will be eternally separated from him. You might not see yourself as a bad person, but if you're not a child of God today, you have no part of him nor of his inheritance. Without the life of Christ in us, we are dead in our sin. 
If we don't have God's life in us, we belong to our father, the devil. Without his blood in us and covering us, we will not inherit the kingdom of God, but will be forever separated from him and under his judgment. Such was the state and condition of the Ephesians before they came to know the life of God. Notice what Paul goes on to say, however, in verses 4 to 6. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God, says Paul, who is rich in mercy and love, did something about our condition. Notice first what he says in verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. God made us who were dead to be alive in Christ. Those who did not have the life of Christ were given this life. And second, God raised those who were dead and gave them a heavenly place in Christ Jesus, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. With this new life of Christ came hope and eternal life. The dead were given the life of Jesus Christ, became his children, and inherited an eternal heavenly kingdom. Now, the question we're left to ask here is, how did that take place? What would cause an eternal and holy God to reach out to children of wrath and give them life and an inheritance in heavenly places? Well, Paul answers that question in verses 6 and 7 when he says, and, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God gave children of wrath life and seated them in heavenly places to show the immeasurable richness of his grace. There's only one reason for a child of wrath to become a child of God, and that's grace. There's only one motivation for God to reach out to children of the devil and make them his children, and that's grace. And Paul tells the Ephesians here that they owed their adoption and the new life they had in Christ to the wonderful, immeasurable richness of God's grace. Now this brings Paul to the first point he wants to make about our salvation in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 when he says this, For by grace you have been saved. 
We've been saved by grace, said Paul. Notice that Paul, what Paul says here, it, that, that we have been saved. The word saved implies that, that, that we've been rescued. And, and we've already seen why we needed to be rescued. We were dead in our sins and separated from God. And we were children of wrath and destined to eternal separation from him. And the apostle tells the Ephesians that there was no reason apart from grace that motivated God to do anything about our salvation. Grace is not owed to anyone. It's a reflection of goodwill and compassion to those who are undeserving. Now, there are those who who believe that God owes them. And these individuals live their lives believing that God is their heavenly servant and all they need to do is snap their fingers and he'll come running to them. But that is not the God of the Bible. I had the privilege of spending time with my mother In the last years of her life, she lived in chronic pain for many, many years. And I remember times when I would go and sit down and see her in her chair just groaning in agony in the pain that she was experiencing. And as we would talk, sometimes I, we would talk about spiritual matters. And, and I remember her telling me once as she was reflecting a bit on this pain, she said, you know, Wayne, she says, people ask me if I, if I ever wonder why God allows me such pain. I tell them, she said, that I wonder why he wouldn't. You see, she was never under the idea that God owed her anything. And that everything that she received from him was undeserved. And I guess we all need something of that attitude. What does God owe you? What what have you done that makes him owe you anything? The God of the Bible is not our servant. He's a gracious Lord and Master to whom we owe everything. He's under no moral obligation to care for us. It's within his right to turn his back on us and think no more of us. The Creator has every right to form a vessel for honor and a vessel for dishonor. The God who who cannot tolerate sin, however, extends his hand to you and to me today in grace, undeserved favor, and calls out to you and he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Now, there's many people that will reject this offer because they feel unworthy of it. The reality is they are unworthy of it. But that's the nature of grace. It's undeserved and given to the undeserving and unworthy. And the father watches his son die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. He paid the ultimate price for our forgiveness. And if there is one thing worse than being an unworthy sinner, 
as being an unworthy sinner who turns his back on the offer of forgiveness and pardon offered at the cost of Jesus' life. And so Paul tells us that we were saved by grace, salvation that comes to the unworthy, pardon to those who could never merit it. The dead are given new life as a miracle of grace. Children of wrath are given a place in the heavenlies. The holy hand of justice reaches out and pardons and gives life. Nothing but grace explains this miracle. Do you feel unworthy of such a salvation? Consider the nature of grace. Do the sins from your past come flooding to the surface? When you think of the salvation, consider the nature of grace. Do you feel that somehow you, you just need to be good enough to accept for to him to accept you? Consider the nature of grace. The gracious hand of God reaches down to save, and that gracious hand performs a miracle. It imparts life to the one who is dead. And with the very life of Jesus in me now, I belong to him. I'm his child, and nothing can separate me. I don't deserve it. I don't merit it. Grace alone explains this new life in me because by grace alone I have been saved. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. I trust that it has been a blessing. For more information on the Ministry of Light to My Path book distribution, please visit the website at lighttomypath.ca. Thank you, and God bless.